26th Sivan, Chavav Sivan, Tzadik, his praise, 409. The Rebbe also said, one can tell from a person's face if he has studied the guide for the perplexed. In other words, the faces of those who study this work change for the worse, because they are bound to lose the image of God, Genesis 1.27, which gives holiness to the face. Everyone can see that most of the people who study these works today become total atheists, and we have to suspect them of transgressing the entire Torah. For this and other works dealing with philosophy uproot one completely from the traditional faith of Israel and from adherence to the Torah and belief in God. Such people end up totally corrupted. I myself have spoken with a number of people who are fairly observant, but have studied philosophical works at some time. They all said explicitly that they greatly regretted ever having studied them, and wished they had never even heard of them. They themselves warned to keep well away from these works. Happy is someone who keeps well away from them and holds himself with pure faith, according to our ancestral tradition. The Jewish people believe in God without foolish and empty speculation. 4.10 One Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe spoke about the prohibition against studying Torah commentaries taking a philosophical approach, such as the works of Ibn Ezra, especially the commentary known as the Margalit, and the works of the Ralbag, etc., which are well known to contain statements contrary to the Torah, to the point that one should rend his garments on hearing a single word of them. The Rebbe said that all their basic premises are taken from Aristotle and other well-known atheists, some of whom came before the Talmudic period, and some of them during it. When the teachers of the Mishnah and Talmud introduced the prohibition against studying works dealing with Greek thought, they were aiming against these atheistic works, which were an intrinsic part of Greek culture. Wherever the word epikorus is used in rabbinic literature, it refers to those influenced to follow the ways and thinkings of these atheists. Other evildoers were also described as being epikorosim because of their inclination to deny God. The reason for using the word epikoros is that the responsibility for the damage lies with the one who initiated it, there was a certain philosopher whose name was Epicurus, Epicurus that he was, whose views are given prominence in philosophical works. How can someone who wants to be a Jew study works like these, built as they are on the tenets of acknowledged atheists who are the source of all the atheism in the world? Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom His Wisdom 173 I heard the following conversation which the Rebbe had with Reb Shimon when Reb Shimon returned from over the border. Reb Shimon had been away and had not seen the Rebbe for more than three years. I do not know the exact details, but something happened in Medvedevka that caused the Rebbe to become upset with him. The Rebbe said, I am banishing you to the other side of the Don River. God caused the Rebbe's words to be fulfilled. A short time later, Reb Shimon traveled to the vicinity of the Don River, some 100 leagues from Medvedevka. This is deep in Russia, where Jews are a tiny minority less than one in a thousand. They were an even smaller minority many years ago when this event took place. Reb Shimon traveled to this area, intending to remain for a short while, but God willed that the Rebbe's words be fulfilled, and Reb Shimon was forced to remain there for several years. What happened during this time would consume many volumes. Reb Shimon lived among non-Jews during this time and was subject to untold difficulties and temptations. While Reb Shimon was away, 
the Rebbe moved from Zlatopolia and settled in Breslov. By the time Reb Shimon returned, the Rebbe had already lived here for two or three years. The Rebbe told Reb Shimon, I have advanced as much between the time you left and today as I advanced between the day I was born and the time you left. The Rebbe constantly rose higher and higher, from one level to the next. What he meant was that he had advanced through as many levels during the three years of Reb Shimon's absence as he had advanced from his birth until that time. This should give you some idea of the Rebbe's greatness. When Reb Shimon left, the Rebbe had already been in the Holy Land. He had already gone through years of self-discipline. Even before reaching the Holy Land, he had attained an awesome level of greatness and a most wonderful perception into the deepest mysteries. He was already on a level never, never before seen or heard. Then, after a traumatic journey, he was able to reach the Holy Land and return in peace. It was in the Holy Land that the Rebbe attained what he did. He himself said, What I perceived before coming to the land of Israel was literally nothing. I am ashamed of the limited scope of my teachings before then. After returning, he elevated himself from one level to the next every day and every hour. When Reb Shimon left, he had already been back from the Holy Land for several years. Just try to imagine the high level that he stood upon at that time. After all this, Reb Shimon was separated from him for a little over three years. The Rebbe could still say that he had advanced as much during those three years as he had advanced from the time he was born until Reb Shimon left. The Aleph Bet Book Charity B. 7. There are those whose acts of kindness sometimes have a negative effect. This corresponds to the warning given to the Kohanim, who personify the aspect of loving-kindness, not to take large steps while performing the temple service. When people pretend not to see the harm brought on by their kindness, they cause the harsh judgment from on high to be without moderation. The inverse is also true. When care is taken that no harm comes from their kindness, it fosters moderation in the judgment. 8. Those who would reveal original Torah insights must study the codifiers beforehand and then again afterwards. This study of Torah law will protect their insights from foreign influences. The same procedure should be followed when a person wants to perform some act of charity. 9. Originating Torah insights arouses the giving of charity, and vice versa. 10. So great is the power of tithing that it can turn a curse into a blessing. Kitzur Likutei Moharan 1. Lesson number 214. 1. Nowadays, we find that people sometimes die right in the middle of their Torah study, not like in earlier generations, when a person knew the appointed day of his death and would engage in Torah study that whole day, and the evil one would have no control over him. Know that if a person's study is proper, the evil one certainly has no power over him. But if his study is not as it should be, particularly the study of Talmud, then the evil one actually receives additional power from this study. For the numerical value of the word Talmud is the same as that of the name of the impure force Lilit. Therefore, the study of Talmud has the power to either subdue this force or to do the opposite, God forbid. Lesson number 215. 1. There exist 24 distinct kinds of redemptions which can mitigate the judgments of all 24 heavenly courts, each court having its own particular redemption. There is also a single redemption which encompasses all of these 24 courts, 
and only one tzaddik in a generation knows this redemption. Sometimes, even when this tzaddik does perform a redemption like this, it is nonetheless ineffective. This is because a redemption like this, which can mitigate the judgment of all 24 courts simultaneously, does not come their way from below very often. Therefore, when this mitigation does come their way, they use it for something else, namely, to make converts. The explanation for this is, as long as there is idolatry in the world, divine anger is also in the world, Sifri on Deuteronomy 13.18, so that when the strict judgments and divine anger are mitigated by means of this redemption, idolatry is also weakened and mitigated, and converts are made. Lesson number 216. 1. The Amidah prayer contains Chai, 18, blessings. Chai literally means living. Its letters have the numerical value of 18. Besides the blessing concerning the heretics. This alludes to the fact that through prayer we nullify nature, which the philosophers call the mother of all living, Chai, and we therefore subdue and nullify the heretics as well. Rabbi Nachman's Stories The Seven Beggars the first day. The fourth one, who was still younger, spoke up. I also remember when the seed was brought to plant the fruit. The fifth one, who was younger yet, said, I also remember when the wise men invented the seed. The sixth one, who was younger still, said, I remember the taste of the fruit before it entered the fruit. The seventh one spoke up. I remember the fragrance of the fruit before it entered the fruit. The eighth one said, I remember the appearance of the fruit before it was drawn onto the fruit. I was also there at the time, and I was still an infant. I spoke up and said to them, I remember all these events, and I remember absolutely nothing. This is a very ancient story, said the wise men, more so than all the others. They were very surprised that a child remembered more than any of them. In the midst of this, the great eagle came and knocked on the tower. Stop being poor. Return to your treasures. Make use of your treasures. He then told them to leave the tower in order of their age, with the oldest going out first. As he brought them out of the tower, he brought me, the infant, out first, since I was actually older than all the rest, and he was bringing us out in order of age. Actually, the youngest was the oldest, and the oldest of them was the youngest. Reb Letters, Year 1, Letter Number 175 we have to remember well what the books teach, and the Rebbe spoke about it further, that one burn in Gehenna is worse than all the suffering in this world. Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, number 236. He also spoke about the pain that a dead person has lying in the grave, and how he lies there listening to the sound of each crawling maggot. Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, number 84. Surely this is worse than the sound of voices of the Metnagdim abusing us. Their words really do bite like the pierce of a sword. But the pain of the maggots, Gehenim, and so on are much worse than this. If you are unsure whether all of this has released you completely from the pains of Gehenim, you can rest assured that it has released you from most of them. I trust God that any, anyone who really stands up to the test now will certainly not see Gehenim at all, especially since at any rate we have been saved from the additional severe punishment of Gehenim which awaits the persecutors and Metnagdim who rip up holy books such as these, trample them in mud and filth, and spill so much Jewish blood. They will certainly go down to the very lowest level of Gehenna. Woe to them, and woe to their souls. I hope to God that we will be able to rejoice very much during the coming days of Purim over our having been spared this. 
This, in addition to the fact that we were worthy of hearing such awesome, wondrous teachings about Purim and Hanukkah, Shabbat and Yom Tov, and the list goes on and on. Ashrenu, happy are we. How good is our portion. No one in the world can say Ashrenu over his lot the way we can. Thank God we have already been able to rejoice many times over the Rebbe's holy Torah lessons. This is especially true now that the concealment has spread so extensively. For as if from a trap, we have escaped. We know about pure truth such as this that leads Israel with such simplicity and straightness, yet with such magnificent intelligence. Go and see the great might of your master who, in order to allow free choice, has so concealed a truth such as this, and our souls he has rescued. Rav Letters, Year 2 Letter number 429, with thanks to God, Monday, Shalach, 5603, Breslov. To my dear beloved son, may he live. Peace, life, and all good to you, your wife, and your children, may they live. I received your letter last week. I read it carefully, and despite the pain and grief that it expressed, I managed to strengthen myself with happiness. For I saw that amidst your enormous pain and your bitter plaint, which have persisted now for so long, Amidst the sweep of your distress, you nonetheless inspire yourself and give life to your soul with the exquisite delights which you received from afar, from the holy words, the consummately pure and refined utterances of God, which emanate from the flowing stream, the source of wisdom. This is the way, this is my comfort and my destitution, and this is your comfort and the comfort of all Israel." For in all the generations preceding us as well, every single individual endured all that he did every single day of his life. It was about this that King Solomon, may he rest in peace, cried out, Ecclesiastes 2.17, How evil is the drama which takes place under the sun! There are many other similar statements in which he cries out bitterly over the drama which takes place under the sun. He laments in particular the pointless contemplation the convoluted, negative thinking and ruminating which repeatedly surround a person and which are described in the phrase, My heart is dizzy, Psalms 38.11. We do not know about the past. We only remotely understand that certain things occurred then and that this is why the exile has continued for so long and we have not yet returned to our land. This certainly applies to this present generation since now the responsibility lies with us. As I have already spoken about extensively, everything that is said in the words of our rabbis of blessed memory and in the other holy books about how all the worlds depend upon the person in this world only applies to the people alive in this world during that particular generation. Thus, now, the rectification of all the worlds and the opposite, God forbid, depends entirely upon me and you and on every individual now living on the earth. For the dead do not praise God. Psalms 115.17 and the dead are free. Psalms 88.6 This is precisely the reason that the evil one so vehemently assails every single person each and every day, and practically all the time. This is particularly true for those who desire and yearn to abandon their folly and to come into the holy. It is at them that the evil one directs all his attacks, as our rabbis of blessed memory said in, in a number of places. Sukkah 52a, Kedushin 30b, the evil urge ignores the entire world and only provokes Israel, and he ignores all of Israel and only provokes Torah scholars. These Torah scholars are the students and youths who come to draw close to the place where the point of truth shines, but the battle is very fierce and the souls are very weak. 
Shemot HaTzadikim, Harav Rabbi Dov of Ladazin, Harav Rabbi Mordechai of Teplek, Rav Gershon of Teravitsa, Rabbi Yitzchak of Dashav, Rabbi Kahat of Teravitsa, Rabbi Ze'ev of Teravitsa, Rabbi Zalman of Nemerov, Rabbi Natanel of Teplek, Rabbi Shmuel of Teplek, Rabbi Leib of Kremenshuk, Rabbi Yosef of Kremenshuk, Rabbi Israel of Lipovitz, Rabbi Isaac Yosef of Lipovitz, Rabbi Chaim Saras of Breslov, Rabbi Israel of Breslov, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Avraham of Kfar Naf Navashelitz, Rabbi Ruven Yosef, Rabbi Moshe Yitzchak of Teravitsa, Rabbi Moshe of Ladazin, Rabbi Getzi of Ladazin, Rabbi Leib Apter, Rabbi Oizer of Ladazin, Rabbi Dov Chayelis, Rabbi Aaron of Dashav, Rabbi Moshe of Dashav, Rabbi Shalom of Dashav, Rabbi Simcha, son-in-law of Harav Rabbi Shmuel Yitzchak Zal, Rabbi Nachman ben Rabbi Yudel Zal, Rabbi Avraham Petterberger, Rabbi Chaikel HaChazan, Rabbi Ephraim Sofer, Rabbi Zelig, Rabbi Lipa of Nemerov, Rabbi Yaakov Bal Magia, Harav Rabbi Hirsch Leib ben Harav Rabbi Aharon of Breslov, his son Harav Rabbi Nachman of Cherin, his son Rabbi Chaim Harav of Breslov. Family of Rabbi Nassim of Breslov, closest student of Rabbi Nachman Zal, his father-in-law Harav Hagon HaTzadik Rabbi David Tzvi of Kremenitz, his son Rabbi Shachna, his son Rabbi Yitzchak of Tolchin, his son Rabbi Meir, his son Rabbi Nachman, his son Rabbi David Tzvi, his son Rabbi Yosef Yona, his grandson Rabbi David Tzvi, his grandson Rabbi Michal, his grandson Rabbi Naftali Hertz, his grandson Rabbi Avraham, his son-in-law Rabbi Baruch, Rabbi Shmelka, his stepson. Rabbi Nussan's Prayers 2, Prayer number 7. Master of the world, help us accustom ourselves at every moment to study and discuss the true Torah insights of your holy sages. At every moment, may we study and discuss some insight that the true sage created. Then may great fear and awe fall upon us as a result of the arrival of your holy sovereignty, as it were, which is the source of fear, so that we will draw down and receive income from the sea of wisdom that is revealed by this true sage. And as a result of all this, may the God-fearing awareness of that sage who originated this insight be aroused, due to his words being heard and realized for generations. And in consequence of all this, may great fear and awe of you fall upon us at every moment when we study and discuss these holy insights. Compassion and Redemption You who are filled with vast and true compassion, fulfill our requests for the good. Give us a truly compassionate leader who will know how to act with compassion. May he have true compassion on us. May he quickly and swiftly extricate us from all of the sins and blemishes in which we have been trapped. We ourselves know how guilty we are, how we have stiffened our necks and not strengthened ourselves to truly fulfill the words of your Torah and your mitzvot, but have caused blemishes and damage. Despite all this, may your loving kindness on our behalf grow stronger and awaken your vast compassion that will extricate each one of us from all our transgressions, sins, and offenses. Then we will be assured that from now on we will be saved from all evil, and we will no longer return to foolishness and no longer commit any transgression or sin at all. Moreover, we will not cause any more blemishes at all, and we will not turn aside from your will, neither right nor left. In your vast compassion, forgive, excuse, and grant atonement for all of the transgressions that we have committed. May the verse be fulfilled, the wicked person will abandon his way and the man of iniquity his thoughts, and he will return to Hashem, who will have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Our compassionate Father, have compassion on us and do not destroy us, as the verse states, 
Hashem, your God, is a compassionate God. He will not abandon you and will not destroy you. And He will not forget the covenant with your forefathers that He swore to them. Hashem, your God, will bring back your exiles that have compassion on you. He will once again gather you from all of the nations to which Hashem, your God, scattered you. If your exiles will be at the end of the heavens, from there Hashem, your God, will gather you and He will take you from there. Hashem, your God, will bring you to the land that your forefathers inherited, and you will inherit it, and He will do good to you and make you numerous, more than your forefathers. Hashem, be gracious to us. We have hoped in you. Be our arm in the morning, our salvation at a time of trouble. It is a time of trouble for Jacob, but from it he will be saved. In all of their trouble, he was troubled, and the angel of his presence saved them. With his love and with his kindness, he redeemed them, and he bore them and he carried them all the days of old. Who is a God like you, who forgives sin and passes over the iniquity of the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever, for he desires loving kindness. He will again have compassion. He will hide our sins. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob, loving kindness to Abraham, as you promised our fathers from ancient days. Master of the world, compassionate king, have compassion on us. You who are good and do good, respond to us. Return to us in your enormous compassion for the sake of our forefathers who did your will. Build your temple as in the beginning and establish your sanctuary upon its place. Show us its construction and make us joyful in its repair. Return the Kohanim to their service and the Levites to their platform, their song, and their melody. And return the Jewish people to their dwelling place. There we will bring to you our obligatory sacrifices, the daily offerings according to their order, and the additional offerings in accordance with their laws. Have compassion on us for the sake of your name. We do not plead to you on the basis of our righteousness, but because we rely on your great compassion. We trust in your vast compassion. We rely on your loving kindness, we hope in your forgiveness, and we look forward to your salvation. Fulfill for us the verse, and he said, I will pass all of my goodness before your face, and I will proclaim the name of Hashem before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. Be filled with compassion on our behalf, because you are the master of compassion. Compassionate God is your name. Gracious God is your name. Your name is associated with us. Hashem, act for the sake of your name. Pour vast, great compassion onto us. May the verse swiftly be realized in us. He who has compassion on them will guide them, and he will guide them along the wellsprings of water. And the verse states, For a small moment I have forsaken you, but with great compassion I will gather you. With a little rage I hid my face from you for a moment. But with eternal loving kindness I will have compassion on you, states your Redeemer, Hashem. The mountains will wear away and the hills totter, but my loving kindness will not wear away from you, and the covenant of my peace will not totter, says Hashem, who has compassion on you. Ephraim is a precious son to me, a child of delights. Every time I speak of him, I recall him more. Therefore, I yearn for him. I will surely have compassion on him, says Hashem. God, compassionate Father, you who have compassion on the earth, you who have compassion on people, have compassion on us in your true hidden compassion. Your compassion is so powerful that you even have compassion on me to help me return to you in complete repentance, in ultimate truth. In accordance with your kindness, give me life and I will guard the testimony of your mouth. Hashem, your kindness, 
fills the earth. Teach me your rules. Pour holy awareness onto me. Expel my spirit of foolishness, madness, and every type of confused consciousness. May I, my children, all those who depend on me, and your entire nation, the house of Israel, merit complete knowledge of your godliness, your governance, your greatness, your might, your beauty, and your universal sovereignty. As the verse states, You have been shown to know that Hashem is God, there is no other besides Him. You, who are compassionate and gracious, have compassion on me. You alone know the magnitude of the compassion that I and all of us require. I do not know what to do. I only beg like a pauper at the door for compassion, mercy, and graciousness, and for you to treat me in whatever way appears right in your eyes. My hands are stretched out to your compassion alone, to your true eternal compassion. The kindnesses of Hashem have not ended. His compassion has not ceased. Hashem is good to everyone. His compassion rests upon all of His creatures. Our soul is cast down to the dust. Our belly clings to the earth. Arise to help us and redeem us for the sake of your kindness. For your sake, fulfill the verse, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me with righteousness and with justice, with kindness and with compassion. I will betroth you to me with faith, and you will know Hashem. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing before you, Hashem, my rock and my redeemer. Blessed is Hashem, God, God of Israel, who alone does wonders. And blessed is the name of His glory forever. And may His glory fill the entire earth. Amen and Amen.